Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of the Live with Rank program. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, let's start the day off with some good news. Well, possibly some good news. Detroit Lions will be featured on the HBO series Hard Knocks. That's a, uh, it has become a large uh, or a big program on HBO. The HBO as a, I remember when HBO started off, it used to be the greatest movie channel out there. Now, man, there's just so much competition. They, they basically have repeats. When I'm offered it free for three months uh, from the uh, the companies, the cable companies, I quite often just turn it down. <laughs> they send a 30-person NFL film crew, and they'll send them to Lions Training Camp. If you didn't know, it's in Allen Park, Michigan. And they say they'll shoot more than 1,700 hours of footage over the course of the series, and then they'll um, uh, air it on HBO. So we'll find out why they decided to uh, go to such a uh, horrible team that's really not on the upswing. Uh, I don't know, but they are, and um, hopefully that will inspire the Lions because I want to be a huge fan of the Lions. It's been very difficult over the decades to do so, but maybe it'll inspire the, the team to uh, put the right people in the right position and then uh, do well this year. So that's the good news to start the day off with. How about this? Michigan's now going to reduce its COVID data reporting to just Wednesdays. That's going to start, I think, let me see here, April 4th. April 4th. As I told you, right after the election, when Whitmer decided she doesn't need it as much anymore, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it became less important, the numbers in Michigan. And she had to uh, only have her people put it out there on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And again, it, it coincided not long after the election, which I thought was very interesting. Just like not long after the election or when they were seated, I should say, uh, they ended up, uh, the CDC ended up having numbers that never matched with no asterisks or notes saying why these don't match. I told you I'd take these numbers down every day and I put them in a spreadsheet. I give Michigan a lot of credit because they always match. CDC under Biden rarely ever, 98%, 99% of the time, they never match. They never add up mathematically and there's no explanation. And I do believe that uh, Whitmer was so concerned about COVID when Trump was in office and when Trump was running and Biden was running. And then as soon as Biden uh, was seated as president, that importance went away and it's only Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now it's going to be only Wednesday because cases, uh, cases are declining. Now, I wouldn't have so much of a problem with it. I wouldn't be bringing this to your attention if it hadn't to be for how much she pushed it and pushed its importance and then how we can almost directly relate it to the election and when she uh, eventually stopped giving us the numbers every day. That's why I bring it to your attention. Otherwise, I get it. 
I got the Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I get this Wednesday only now with the cases uh, declining. Well, I don't know about once a week, but it's not as big as a deal. But in relating it to what they thought it was a big deal before and how it directly relates to the election is sad. Sad that she would play politics with these numbers. Talking about politics and gubernatorial politics, in the very next segment, we're going to have a former chief, James Craig. He wanted to come on air and speak to all of you guys. He's running in the Republican primary against, I believe there's 12, so 11 others who are running for governor. And he wanted to talk to you guys about his approach when it comes to uh, trying to persuade more of the black community to look at the policies that the conservative or the Republicans push and how it's better for them. It was proven under the Trump campaign how it's better for them then, and now uh, their policies are not doing well. The, the policies they voted for aren't doing very well. And to that effect, uh, we'll see what happens. So he wanted to come on air and talk to you guys. I said, sure. Come on there, and uh, we'll talk to him coming up after this. And still talking about gubernatorial politics, I saw a piece in the Detroit Free Press called Did Governor Whitmer Fix the Damn Roads? In new ad, Michigan Republicans say no. The, the Republicans put out a really, a really a good ad when it comes to uh, the roads because they haven't been fixed. In fact, if you remember, that first year... In office, under her budget, which is really her second year, she put less money to it than she did, than uh, Snyder did the year before. And according to the Detroit Free Press, Paul Egan, according to, it says, according to estimates from the Michigan Transportation Asset Management Council, the percentage of all Michigan roads that are in poor shape today is about the same as when Whitmer was elected. The percentage of roads in good shape, they said, has ticked up about 4%. So I guess that was taking uh, away the numbers from the roads that were in kind of good shape. Now, there's some pollster that I, I had never heard of, Ed Sarpolis of Target Insight, who said the Ad is largely a bad faith attack since Republicans rejected Whitmer's 2015 proposal to significantly increase the state fuel tax to boost road funding, and the GOP never offered a counter proposal. Well, that's interesting that a pollster would have such an opinionated uh, remark about this. I have no idea if he's a pollster who leans left, right. Or down the middle. I have not seen or heard of him much. Can't remember him ever putting out anything. But many times people search out pollsters uh, that will help their game on all sides. But I think it's fair to say, take the politics out of it. She hasn't done a darn thing to fix the damn roads. Other than requesting instead of 17, uh, or yes, was it 17, 18, 19 cents per gallon, raising it to 40-something cents, yeah, 45 cents a gallon. That was her proposal. 
Could you imagine if we were paying 45 cents a gallon today just for state? We are paying 27.2% cent per gallon for state, 18 cents for federal. So I'm going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. I see that uh, Chief James Craig has called in a little early. Good. We'll talk to him a little early. You listen to Live with Rank, and we'll be right back after this. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Live with Rank show. And as promised, and as I was telling you, on air with us is former Detroit Police Chief James Craig and current uh, gubernatorial uh, primary candidate here in the great state of Michigan. And uh, I just noticed, Brandon, our lines are not working once again. I Let me see if I can take it this way. I believe I can. Let me go here. Good morning, Chief Greg. You there? Yeah, I'm here. Can I, you hear me, Brandon? Yes, I had. I had to use the backup way now, uh, for to uh, take your phone call, but I did, and we're on. Thank you very much for calling, and I appreciate that. Uh, I, I understand that you're delivering the conservative or Republican message to, well, that's certainly two different points, but uh, to communities that traditionally have voted heavily for the for the Democrats. Uh, I, I know that there are more and more uh, candidates who are coming out and, and who are black and they are running in the Republican Party. There are more and more uh, black uh, people in the community who are giving a second look, hopefully, at the conservative message. Uh, how are you um, delivering that message to those communities? Well, and, and I'll tell you, let me start. Well, first, Frank, let me just thank you again for, you know, me coming on your show. And um, so one of the pushbacks I've had since beginning this, this journey, um, there was no real interest uh, by management of the campaign to really have me go into urban communities across our state. Look, I'm running for governor for all of Michigan, not sections of Michigan. And I, granted, I understand I'm going into a primary. I understand that my message has to be heard uh, by Republicans. Uh, but that said, uh, I'm not going to just forego Detroit. I live in Detroit. I spent eight years as the chief of Detroit. So it would just make sense, a little bit of common sense, right, that, hey, why wouldn't I want to deliver the message to Detroiters? That doesn't take away from the work I need to do in the rest of the state. And I was amazed by the resistance to that. I was also amazed by the resistance of keeping me uh, away from media uh, and took some criticism for it. Um, but I'm happy to say, you know, this campaign is going in a very different direction. I'm excited about the direction. I'm excited about the new consultant team who they understand Culturally, it just makes good sense because here's what I know. And I've said this on the campaign trail when asked the question, uh, I've been a conservative all my life. Uh, I was just like my parents, a JFK Democrat at some point transitioned from Democrat over to Republican. Uh, but many African-Americans, many black folks are conservative, still conservative. 
And so, uh, you know, years ago, black people were Republican many years ago, and there was a transition. Well, what I see today, there's another transition that's happening because the Democrat Party is deeply divided. You got the progressives on the far left and you got the moderates. Uh, they're not speaking the same language. The problem for the so-called moderate Democrats is that when the radical left begins to speak out on issues like defund the police, open borders, shutting down federal uh, prisons in 10 years, uh, that was by way of Rashida Tlaib, the so-called moderates say nothing. Or this thing called bail reform and the impact that's having on violent crime, they say nothing. But if you talk to people in vulnerable communities of color, which I've had the opportunity to do work with, they support policing, effective constitutional policing. So who are these folks speaking for? And so I will tell you, uh, many in, in the African-American community and I'm told Hispanic community are reassessing their alignment. Uh, this is a purple state. We know that there are many independents because, you know, because I live in Detroit, I run into Detroiters every day. Uh, and many say, hey, look, I'm Democrat. I know you, Chief. I'm supporting you. Or I have others that come and say, look, I'm not Democrat or Republican. But I'm about who is the best candidate. And I think that goes a long way. And I think people are sick and tired of partisan politics. They want the right person who is going to deliver services for all of Michigan. That's the definition of what defines a public servant. And you've probably heard me say this on your show before, Wayne. You know, I spent 44 years as a public servant. Uh, I didn't say, well, I'm a police chief, but I'm Republican. They never ask you what party you're aligned with. But I knew one thing and one thing only, it was about serving people. And as governor, that does not change with me. Now, you jumped ahead, uh, which is fine, because we were going to uh, jump into that. You've just had, that was the big news of like a week ago, you just had a second uh, campaign manager uh, depart from the campaign. And I believe that's what you were doing. You were addressing it uh, uh, a bit when you said it was uh, you and these managers had a difference of opinions of where the campaign should go? Uh, absolutely. But factually, let me just digress for a moment. The first campaign manager voluntarily resigned from the position of manager, however, expressed an interest in becoming the, the general consultant. Uh, and that was before we hired Axon, the, the consultant team that ran the campaign of, of now Governor Yunkin out of Virginia. So he expressed an interest to stay, but only in the role of a consultant. And of course, I went with the much better choice. I get to do that. So it, it's misleading uh, when, you know, this, this shakeup, this recent campaign manager, uh, opted to resign. Uh, the only c conversation I had with him was through a letter, but in his letter, he made note of the fact about my express interest of making my presence known in urban areas of the city, like, uh, of course, Detroit again, uh, Flint, Skegon Heights, Benton Harbor, 
just to name a few, uh, suggesting that he didn't come out and say it this way, but the attitude was those areas are not important. Well, they're important to me. All of Michigan is important to me. So I'm not going to be put in a box and I'm not going to be scripted by anybody. I wasn't scripted as police chief. People came to know me as police chief because I wasn't scripted. And so as candidate, I'm not going to be scripted. I, I, I recognize I'm a neophyte, that I've never been a politician, and I'm always open for advice and direction. But one, I'm not going to lie to people. I mean, there have been times where uh, the advice had to do with whether or not I should, like, basically, why tell the truth? And you can't stand with a lie, period. But um, I'm happy with the direction. Um, it is no secret that uh, the times I spent in three cities as chief of police, I was not shy uh, from making staffing changes. Uh, look, I'm about uh, striving for excellence. I don't accept mediocrity. And um, that's the bottom line. I'm in this thing to win it. And so I'm unapologetic about it. But the campaign is still moving. We still have momentum. Uh, the team that still exists, I'm pleased with that team. Uh, but they know one thing, I'm going all over Michigan, not just select areas that certain people think uh, I should should avoid. Look, I grant it, I'm going to go into hostile areas. I mean, uh, for example, Rick, um, my new communications director got me in a meeting in Highland Park little small community surrounded by Detroit, mostly a black community. And Canada was at least two or three. It may have been about 100, 120 attendees. Two of them were very hostile. Very hostile. Very hostile toward me, hostile to the fact that I'm a Republican. Um, but I don't shy away from that. I didn't shy away from it as a police chief. Why would I shy away from it as a candidate. I'm just not going to do that. All right. I want to get back then to a couple, how you're approaching the black community. Can you stay on for one more segment? Uh, sure. Sure. I appreciate that very, very much. I think a lot of things are going on here. You brought up some things that I would like to expand on uh, if you can. So if you hold on, you'll listen to live with rank. We'll be right back on air with us is former police chief of Detroit, James Craig. And now running for governor, explaining his transitions uh, that had occurred during in his campaign and why and his um, reason for wanting to court the black community. Uh, well, that's kind of a stupid way to put it. You should record uh, you should court any community. And I even hate that we have to sit there and say white or black or Hispanic community. But unfortunately, that's the position that the left has put us in, uh, in, in boxes. And we have to address what the left brings to us. You listen to Live with Rank. We'll be right back after this with James Craig. You listen to Live with Rank. And doesn't it seem like uh, Whitmer caught the Katie 
or Cadillac and left us the mule to ride. Certainly seems like that uh, these days with what's going on. Let's go back to the phone lines and former police chief of Detroit, James Craig, running for governor, currently in the Republican primary. Appreciate you coming on and spending a little bit more time with us. Uh, James, you addressed the issue on what's going on with your campaign and why. And now I wanted you and you had asked to come on and talk about uh, your message that you're giving to the black communities uh, out there. There was an opinion piece written by a Davaro Moro who said there's historic precedents, precedent for realignment. And he's talking about how the Republicans, uh, or I said the black, I should say the black community used to vote for the Republicans and why they went to the Democrats. And now there could be another turnaround in his piece Written in Newsweek, he writes, there's historic precedent for a realignment. Recall after the Civil War, black Americans were loyal to the Republican Party, the party of Lincoln. But the GOP proceeded to abuse that relationship, refusing to pursue civil rights. That I don't get because they wouldn't have passed civil rights without the GOP. So there wasn't enough uh, Democrats uh, to vote. And Al, Al Gore's father as a senator was voting against civil rights. But anyway, he writes back and says, or let's go back to what he wrote. Black discontent arose and the Great Migration brought many black Americans to the north where northern Democrats were at least in a shallow way less adverse to the cause of the black community. Uh, I'm wondering if that's going to happen now. We do know, John, uh, excuse me, uh, James, that John James had run against two elderly white people in the Democrat Party and lost. The Democratic Party actually chose old white people over a younger black man. Uh, I would ask you two things. One, what is the message you're bringing to the black communities around the state? And two, have you learned from those losses that you can apply to your outreach in the black community to let them know that the conservatives do not see them only as a color, but as a human being? You know, and, and Rick, you said a lot, and I agree with you so much. It, it's unfortunate that we have to always inject race into everything we do. Um, but again, I stress, and, and I want your listeners to know, uh, I'm about all of Michigan. I could care less about race. All of Michigan, that said, and one of the reasons why uh, 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 blacks, you know, moved away from the Republican Party and so I'm told uh, it was a Republican nominee for President Barry Goldwater who opposed the Civil Rights Act of 64. Uh -huh. And it was believed that that one issue dealt a fatal blow to the party's relationship with black people. And so they moved over to the Democrats. And, you know, let's face it, Northern Democrats were friendlier in terms of acceptance than uh, Southern Democrats. And so... It was a lot of dynamics going on. I was a, I was a child then, so I knew very little. However, uh, what we see today, black Americans are tired of being ignored. They, they're tired of being ignored. And I kind of touched up on it on, on your last on the last segment when I said, "Look, all this progressive, far left rhetoric, uh, like defund the police." does not speak to black Americans who are, in fact, conservative generally, not all, and they like the, the, the police. 
They want to see uh, lower taxes. They want their children, guess what, to have a good education, just like everybody else. So part of my message, you know, because my platform I'm running on, uh, three areas, economic development, education, and public safety, all very important issues, not just for blacks in our state, but Hispanics. Uh, I got to tell you, I had a, a wonderful, wonderful event uh, fundraising event here in the city of Detroit in Eastern Market. Uh, most in attendance were uh, Chaldean businessmen. The message, message resonated with them. Then later that week, I went downriver, spent some time in Taylor Wyandotte area. Same thing. People want the same thing. So it is about being inclusive, making sure no one's left out, because here's the insanity of the direction of some of these so-called campaign experts. Uh, by the way, I'm a black man who happens to be a Detroiter. Why wouldn't I want to spend some time in Detroit? It's insane. And, and frankly, it hasn't worked. Now, you, you touched on the point, I think, and believe that John James is a phenomenally much better candidate uh, than the two he ran against. Um, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't involved in his campaign strategy. I don't know what he could have done different. Um, but one thing I know, if we're going to seize this time of moving people from Democrats over to Republican or independents over to Republican, we have to one, be authentic, uh, we have to be the kind of person that they want to lead our state, in the case uh, being the governor. People have to know it and believe it. And, and here's what's interesting, and you talked about polls uh, as you were leading into the first segment. And you're right, I agree with you. It depends on who commissioned the polls. But what I found interesting, in one poll that was commissioned uh, by the, the Democrats, uh, they showed me trailing Whitmer. Uh, in another poll, it showed me in a dead heat with Whitmer. But here's my takeaway that I think is a, uh, an, an area of opportunity. Two of the polls commissioned, and one said I was as high as 17% over Whitmer with independent. Another poll said I was 8% ahead of Whitmer with independent. Opportunity. They didn't say what race these folks were, just people who are independent. Some of these folks... Um, don't align with either party because they're fed up with partisan politics. They just want the right person. And the last part of this, and I think is important, and I talked a little bit about my dad and mom, who are both conservative but uh, JFK Democrats. My dad told me when I made this announcement, he said, son, I voted for a Republican governor twice. I said, and why did you do it? He said, because I was voting for the person. Had nothing to do with party. And so that's going to be part of the messaging, Rick. I think people need to hear that. People want to know what they're going to get out of a, a, a candidate, not a lifelong political servant, but a lifelong public servant. I always make those distinctions because I think it's very critical. So you're believing that the or the message, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're taking to the community, the black community, is that you are getting me. You're not getting, you know, the uh, 
ideology of the past, let's say, that has been stuck in whatever they don't like and they haven't been voting for, uh, you're getting me and I'm a man who has made his own decisions through his life, uh, good, bad, or ugly, however they may fall. And are they going to be receptive to that? Are you feeling they're receptive to that as as well as the policies? I, I just want them, and I preach it as much as I can, we don't look at people. I don't look at people as a color. I don't care. I, I, I it, it, It's so odd that only Republicans and conservatives these days believe in Martin Luther King Jr.'s judging person, a man by the content of their character, man or woman, not the color of their skin. Why the left has run away from that, I, 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 I don't understand. And it bothers me uh, that uh, that so many of us on the on the right are the people that are supporting Martin Luther King and so many on the left have left them. Well, it's sad, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you, Rick, one of the reasons why I got into this is because I sat back and saw the direction we were going as a nation, direction as a state. Um, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed to have been a police chief in three cities. Uh, I can tell you definitively that in each of those cities, I was not made chief because I was black. Uh, I was made chief because I was most qualified. Uh, when I earn Michigan voters, they're going to elect me, not because I'm black, because I'm the most qualified, because they want leadership, someone who, who's transparent, who's ethical, who calls it just like it is, nothing changes. And that's why I'm so adverse to anybody trying to put me in a box and script me uh, like I'm some kind of circus act. Shameful. And it won't happen here. What you see is what you get. And we talk about making promises. Keep the doggone promises. Like you talked about the roles. But if you can't keep the promise, at least tell people in a very transparent way where we are, why I didn't keep the promise. If your administration has mismanaged unemployment funds or you undercounted COVID deaths in long-term healthcare facilities, tell the truth. That's all people want. You know, one of the GOP candidates uh, stresses perfection, perfection, perfection. Let me just say this. There is no such thing as perfection. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is perfect. Now, have I set high goals and expectations uh, uh, as chief of police in, in every department? Absolutely, I have. Striving for excellence, but recognizing that we are not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. And so as a state, we can do better. We can become a top 10 state. We will strive for excellence, and we can do it by you know, selecting and building the right team of folks people who believe in the leadership. I've seen it everywhere. Look, as I've said on your show before, I came into Detroit at a time uh, that the city was going through and did go through bankruptcy. And the police department was significantly impacted by it. Low morale uh, by the police officers, low morale by the community that was being served by the police department. So it was a disaster, but we changed it. 
leadership. So what I would like to do, because we're running out of time here, I, I, I would like to just, again, what are the three platforms that you're running on? And then in the next visit we have with you, I'd love you to go deeper into those policies that you are, uh, you would be pushing for if you were to win the governorship. Well, the, the, the three big issues that I'm most passionate about, first and foremost, public safety, Secondly, education, and I'm talking about education in our K through 12 because we're failing miserably, and then economic growth, you know, really paying attention to the economic drivers of our state, starting with manufacturing, agriculture, and by the way, I didn't notice when I got into this journey, but Michigan ranks number two in the country in agriculture, but unfortunately, the Farm Bureau doesn't have a relationship with the current governor, shameful. Shameful. Uh, then uh, uh, lastly, economic growth. Because what's the underpinning of manufacturing in our state? Automobile industry. And so we have got to retain that industry. We have got to attract and retain. And so, and, and we're not doing well in that. And some of it is, you know, big government high taxes, and we have got to be aggressive. And, and, you know, I don't have all the answers, right? But the one thing I've learned uh, throughout my career in public service is, hey, who's, who's got the best mouth, mouth track? I tell you what, Florida's doing something right. Florida, so, Florida and Arizona, they're doing something right. So you'd look out to what they are doing and see if that's Absolutely. something that can can help us. All right. Well, I appreciate coming on, James. Thank you very much. In our next uh, discussions, we'll certainly dive deeper into those because in the end, it's all about not only the, the person and be able to feel that you could trust them, but also the policies that they'll be driving. So good luck. Right. Thank you, sir. Have, Have a great a, one. You too. You're listening to right. The Live with Rank Show, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to The Live with Rank Show. Thank you very much. Who are you? That's a question we're always asking when it comes time to voting for someone. And it's not just a person in a party. Now, I, I do believe you, you, for certain positions, you're voting for a person. And that's going to be like governor as well as president because those are executive positions. I've always said when it comes down to congressmen and women and and state reps and senators, you're really voting for uh, more the party because more and more, most of these politicians uh, will run on X. But when they get in, they'll be like, hey, glad you got elected. Good for you. And now this is the way you're going to do it. Or you're not going to get committee assignments. You're not going to get help from them when it comes for fundraising and what have you. But. In the position of a president or a governor, and the reason why is because they're the boss, the executive, you do have to look, I believe, uh, at the person. And if that person's st strong enough to uh, buck the trend of their party, if their party doesn't like the way they're going, and any of these people who are running, 269-441-9595. Lines are now open. Your thoughts about my interview with James, uh, Craig, uh, as well as um, I, I would love if someone in the black community could let us know 
if there is a movement from the left to the right politically when it comes to the people they know and in their community. All right, let's go to Robert in Sterling Heights. Thanks for holding on, Robert. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, you know what? I, I believe James Craig hit some of the three things he has to run on, you know, education, crime, and the economy. Maybe I'd add in COVID in there and her trans- lack of transparency, you know, her fumbling of what happened with the infrastructure, like unemployment. But he's got to understand he is going to be attacked and he's going to be attacked racially. And he has to go into a gunfight with a gun, not a knife. I, when John James came out and uh, said he's going to be running for congressman in the 10th district, I was reading through the article. And I went through some of the comments. And the things that they called this man, they called him an Oreo cookie. They called him an Uncle Tom. They called him everything. The Democrats were calling John James. Hold on, Robert. John James is running for a 10th congressional district here in Michigan. No, I know that. You're saying, Robert, you're saying the Democrats were calling him these things. Oh, yes. It was Democrats that were calling him. They did not attack him on his policies. They just said he can't represent our community. He's an Uncle Tom. And they called him all sorts of nasty things. Well, if I may, the reason I brought that up with... uh, Craig James, uh, excuse me, James Craig, uh, former police chief, about John James's run because he he, he took on uh, to to run for senator, especially his first run. Uh, that was a big mountain to climb uh, against uh, Debbie Stabenow, uh, due to the fact that it was his first run. So name ID is part of it, and I, I'm I wasn't criticizing his campaign in in the least bit. It's difficult, very very difficult to beat an entrenched politician. Uh, So don't get me wrong on that. I was just asking James if he had maybe an opportunity, I'm sure, to talk to John and found out from John the the things he would have done differently, if anything. Uh, But I, I do like to point out the party that talks about race all the time rejected a younger black man for an older white person. I just want you guys to realize that actually happened. And and what we're told is, well, we rejected their policies. Oh, so you can reject someone's policies who's a different color than uh, you, but Republicans can't. Because if Republicans were to vote against someone who is uh, a different color than them, it's all about race. It's really about the hypocrisy. Go ahead, Robert. And I think the point that he has to bring out that Gretchen Whitmer, let's face facts. She's been a very privileged woman her entire life. Very wealthy family. She's never had a job. She graduated from college and went right into politics. Where uh, Police Chief Craig has come up through the ranks. He's been a cop. He's been on the front lines. He's been in different cities. He's faced racism and he's overcome it. She has not. I don't think she's ever probably seen anything so far as, as the real world is concerned. And he has to bring that point out, and he has to bring that point out very strongly to people. Okay. All right, Robert. Thanks for your thoughts. Thank you. You have a great day. Lines are open, 269-441-9595. What are your thoughts about what we're talking about today? You listen to Live with Rank, and we'll be right back after this top-of-the-hour break.